The Quest Network is proud to present Star Wars Off the Record. Welcome back to Star Wars Off the Record, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. I am Eve Varwin, your first chair co-host. And as always, to my right, I am joined by my second chair, the lore master, Louis Solon! <laughs> Good morning, Varwin. Good morning, everyone in the chat room. Glad to see you all here. Yeah, got a nice little turnout in the chat room today. Looking yes, good. Yes. Hello to everyone out there in the chat room. Um, and hello to you, our, our faithful listener. Uh, also, to my right as well, <laughs> we have the one, the only, David Dianforce Crap Audio. I didn't have to tell Ivarwin to hit the record button again because he remembered this time. Adams! <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, chat room. Dave, thanks for joining us today. You you sound very, very sick, and you had every right. Had every right to call me up and be like, "Bro, I can't today because I caught a I caught a case of death, and hopefully I'll come alive next next week." <laughs> well, I figured if I'm gonna be dying on air, I might as well do it while recording. You know? Oh, <laughs> makes for good radio, right? <laughs> exactly. Poor guy. Um, as always, uh, this is this is Star Wars Off the Record, Episode 8. Today's record date is Thursday the 29th at 11 o'clock in the morning. Lou, why don't we talk a little bit about, about our server, a little bit about our guilds, let, them, let people know that uh, we actually do in fact play this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, for those of us who are interested, if you ever want to drop in the game, say hello, look us up. We are on the Julio server, J-U-Y-O. All right, it's an East Coast PVE server. If you're playing Republic side, look for us where we are known as Devotion. If you're playing for the Empire, the guild is known as Betrayal. That's correct. Look us up. Yeah, yeah if up, you want to join up, yeah, if you want to just look us up, say hi. Feel free to do so. By all means, we'd love to hear from you and talk. Or if you feel like you'd like to join and hang out with us, then again. Let us know, and we will be glad to have you. Absolutely, in the family. the The point of the guilds is is basically fans of the show can you know log in and, and say hi, and um, and certainly you know we're we're in game. We love saying hi to you. We love talking to you. Um, we have our own uh, mumble server, which uh, if you join any of the guilds, you are you are able to use. And uh, we're in there, losing there. I'm in there. You know, come in, say hi. We will talk to you. It's good stuff. Good stuff indeed. And uh, we've been running it for for a while now, and we're starting to get kind of close to, you know, our uh, our guildmates, and it's a nice time. You know, we're we're having a good time. I just I want to before I get into the sponsor of the show, there's there's one thing that I've been noticing on Twitter, and I want to I kind of want to just at least do my part and and say something about it. Okay, and it is it is this. Uh, it is called Save the Shire campaign. It's something that I personally back. All right, I I'm a huge, huge Lord of the Rings fan, and um, certainly if you are, you you at least need to know about this. Okay, the the Middle Earth News Network, if you're not aware of them, is a uh, company of individuals who are passionate about about Lord of the Rings. They're they're regular gamers like you and I, 
They are Tolkien uh, fans, Tolkien scholars, and they've they've been noticing what what could become a uh, marked injustice in the world. All right, and I'm going to take you through through this very quickly. All right, um, basically what's happening is if you're aware of of the history of the Lord of the Rings and why why Tolkien um, wrote wrote the books. All right, it was in an effort to band the English together so they can all enjoy one canon of English history. Tolkien has always believed that the the English never really had their own history. Uh, It was always kind of disjointed and all over the place. So what he did was he was inspired by that to write the Lord of the Rings and and at least give the English something to, to band around, even if it wasn't true or or necessarily uh, real, something that they can say, you know, this is part of us, this is part of our culture. And in doing so, he has actually created that. And the English have certainly banded around the, the Lord of the Rings, and it has become a, as much a part of their culture as as Thanksgiving is to as is to uh, Americans and maybe Boxer Day to to the Canadians. Now, here's here's the injustice. All right, we have an outside corporation, a non-English corporation, uh, refer known as the the Solzance uh, Company, and the Solzance Company, otherwise known as SZC, owns the rights to Lord of the Rings. Anything Lord of the Rings related, they eventually receive you know, credit for and, and compensation for, um, which is not the problem. The problem here is this, okay? They are trying to, in a bid to control uh, the this the word Shire, they're trying to trademark the word Shire. And the reason why this is an issue is because it disables the English people from using the word Shire as they see fit. And one of the prime examples of how this became an issue, the there was a, there was a tavern, a pub in England called the Hobbit pub. And this company had stepped in and said that it was a, it was a trademark infringement of their, their intellectual property. And they were given a cease and desist order. Um, The whole thing has sort of worked itself out and, and the Hobbit pub did, did in fact win in the end, but it took, it took people like you and me to tell the corporation, stop bullying them, stop it. Even though you own the rights to Lord of the Rings, okay, you don't you don't own this feeling of of culture that we have regarding the Lord of the Rings. So they they backed off and they said the Hobbit pub could could in fact you know they weren't going to force them out of business. Um, but now here we are, you know, uh, later on, and the the uh, SZC is now saying we want to trademark the word Shire. They want to own this this word Shire, which belongs, if anything, if it belongs to anybody, it belongs to the English people and it belongs to their culture. No outside company should step out of their box and say and take something that is just so culturally important to a people away from them just for the sake of a few bucks. This is coming from someone who allies himself with a conservative political viewpoint, myself. So in this particular case, all right, I do not agree with what this company is doing. And I think that it's this is bullying tactics. All right. Now, if you want to help out, the way you can do it is by using the hashtag on Twitter, Save the Shire. Okay. Uh, get yourself informed and follow the Middle Earth News Network. They have a, uh, a link here they put in the chat room, uh, savetheshire.com. Go visit savetheshire.com. They have uh, lots of... Lots of news in there regarding this whole thing. They've got a, a beautiful graphic, which if you're if you're viewing the live stream right now, I have up on the on the screen right now. It's a 
It's a scroll. It says, stop the, in quotes, Shire from becoming trademarked. Help spread the word. Hashtag save the Shire, all one word. Savetheshire.com. Uh, and the art is, is done by Jeff Murray, which is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of art here. And um, I downloaded it myself and uh, will soon become my own Twitter picture. So uh, there it is. If you're, uh, if you're Tolkien fans, please at least educate yourself about this. Use the hashtag Save the Shire. Get involved. Do something. I certainly will be, personally. You know, let's, let's, let's do something about this because the English people don't need to have an outside corporation rob them of something they are very proud of and is very much a part of their culture. All right, at this time, we just want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, which is doghousesystems.com. Great, great, phenomenal computers uh, over at doghousesystems.com. Really give these guys a look. If uh, if you're looking to upgrade your system, if you're looking to get a brand new system, you know, head over to uh, to doghousesystems.com. All right, Um, what you're going to be what you're going to be purchasing from these guys is, yeah, you're going to be getting a, a phenomenal computer. All right, however you're going to be getting a computer from, from a company built around people that sincerely understand the needs of the gamer and the kind of uh, hardware and technology that a gamer really needs. Um, they themselves are gamers. I've spoken with the CEO many, many times. Clark is an awesome dude. Uh, very down to earth. Great to talk to a uh, huge Starcraft two lover, by the way. <laughs> and uh, he, he has formed his company and, and these computers um, based on, you know, his, his understanding of what a gamer needs. And so you're, you're definitely going to the right place by going to doghousesystems.com for, for a superb rig. It's going to make, it's going to make Tor look amazing. It's going to look sky. It's going to make Skyrim play ultra smooth with the new X, uh, the new HD texture pack they got out now for that game. You'll be playing on an ultra from a doghouse systems rig. No problems. Um, plug in the code off the record, all one word, when going there and you're going to get double the memory they're just just like that you know the off the record guys here's double the memory for free that is a uh and, and as as you hear all the time we like to say it because it's true it's it's a great value it's 100 to 150 dollar value for free just by simply typing in off the record all one one o f f t t h e record <laughs> off the record all one word at uh, to get uh, double your memory for free at doghousesystems.com. All right, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here because this, in fact, is a, uh, a Star Wars show. And uh, let's let's start, as Joe would say, getting into the meat and potatoes of the show, guys. Oh, <laughs> oh there it is. I had to throw it in. Potatoes. <laughs> it almost doesn't feel right without Joe being here to say that. <laughs> I hope he doesn't, He's always here. I hope he doesn't sue me over the, the uh, trademarking meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to trademark that. He might have to. You might have to save the meat and potatoes. All right. So if um, we're coming back after after our point five episode, which was uh, which was us last week, Lou and I last week, Lou, we had uh, we had some pretty we had a pretty good turnout regarding it. Got some emails. Yeah, I, I, I was actually pretty happy with you know what what we did mm-hmm. for those who are just joining us right now and don't realize what we're talking about. Well, I'll use some background. What happened was with the point five episode, it was just literally Yvonne and myself sitting down on Skype. And just for a couple of minutes before we actually started recording, pick a couple of topics that we discussed in the previous show. This time, since we're not bound by constraints of the rest of the show itself, the other segments of the show, it allows us to actually go into further detail, okay, and give more of our thoughts, devote more of our time to one, two, or maybe three things that stick out in our minds. And the way it is, it's totally freeform. It's just held like a regular conversation as if 
we're sitting across over on Mumble or Ventrilo and discussing, you know, what we've seen on the forums, what we've seen from latest updates from the company, okay, what we've seen from the game, from the devs. So, yeah, you know, that's that's essentially what we did. It was it was a lot of fun. It was great stuff. I mean, we it was unscripted, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna do it every week because we we had a nice couple of emails come in saying they uh, they really you know some of you out there really enjoyed it. We had we had some tweets about it saying that that you know everyone enjoyed it. So we're gonna keep it up. The the main show as and we said this we said this last week. I'm just going to rehash it. Uh, the main show is going to be recorded every other week, but the point five show is going to be done, you know, in our off week, and it's not going to be live. It's just going to be Lou and I and and some Star Wars, and that's that's basically it. All right, we have episode eight for you, and we're going to get ourselves into the Galactic Gazette. My co-anchor R2D2. Okay, here we are in the Galactic Gazette. Official and community news for Star Wars The Old Republic. First up, um, what I'd like to say is that the there is an update uh, that just got released today, actually for the legacy system. It seems that senior game designer William Wallace has posted something on his developer blog in the forums. And uh, we just caught this little bit off Twitter and snagged it up for you just now. So we want to feature it. Um, great, great article. All right, what we're going to do is, since there's a lot here and it's, it's coming at us kind of quickly and uh, we've got the rest of the show to do, uh, we're gonna we're gonna highlight the bulleted points here, and then for the point five show next week, uh, we're gonna get into this in much more depth because there's a lot here that we could talk about that deserves a, a conversation over. But for now, all right, just just be aware of of these things, and you can go to uh, uh, www.swotor.com, uh, the developer blog. It'll it'll feature it right there. I'm sure you're probably going to be hearing about it all week. I'm sure everyone's going to be uh, the other podcasts are probably going to be you know going going crazy over this uh, because it is it is a good piece of good piece of news. All right, so senior game designer William Wallace has has given us um, a bit more of a detailed glimpse as, into the legacy system. And to start off with, he says unlocking your legacy grants you access to the legacy panel by pressing the Y button on. on um, this allows you to modify the family tree and uh, uh, modify your family tree and view your recent unlocks. All right, your family tree allows for these relationships: siblings, spouses, children, adopted children, rivals, and allies. Then he goes on to describe all the different kinds of unlocks that you can receive, uh, such as class unlocks, companion unlocks, special unlocks as well as ship unlocks and others as well. So for class unlocks, uh, they describe it basically as this, all right, uh, you get special emotes and abilities passed to other companions, which unlock at completion of chapters. All right, for, and they give the examples that at chapter two, you'll get an emote. 
chapter three, you'll start unlocking your heroic moment abilities and so on and so forth. Uh, companion unlocks are you can you gain an unlock after completing full conversations with a companion in the form of passive stat bonuses. And these stat bonuses are based on the role that that companion plays within your group. So, you know, you'll get like endurance or something from from tanks and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Maybe power from, you know, DPS companions. Uh, Additional companions that are outside of the five archetypes will grant you additional presence. So you'll have better control over those, those companions. Those companions will put out more for you. Uh, special unlocks, all right? Hitting level 50 with a race will unlock the race for all classes that we know. However, there is this this brilliant little bit down here that says races with customization options that are specific to that race can now have those customization options for all races. All right, now it, it's a, that's a lot of words for, for something that, that really, you know, it, it sounds... I don't know, I had I had a hard time. I had to read this over a couple of times myself. Um, but they give the example of this, all right? Uh, if you unlock a species like the cyborg that has unique customization options per class, you can open up all those possible customization options for every class. So your new cyborg smuggler can now have the agent's cybernetic eyepieces and the sinister-looking facial cybernetics with a Sith warrior. That's a direct quote from the blog itself. Additionally, all right, they go on further to uh, to talk about the ship unlocks. You can get these from new legacy levels and credits. Help unlock features for your ship. For example, the mailbox, uh, galactic trade network kiosk, and all of your other tunes uh, on your account get those unlocks as well. So you unlock it for one guy, you unlocked it for for everyone in the in the family. In quotes. And then they they round it off with other unlocks, all right? Reaching special alignment milestones, social levels, valor levels, okay? You'll get things like unarmed combat abilities for your valor levels, uh, dances with with your companions uh, from social levels. You'll also be able to purchase lower cooldowns for fast travel and your fleet pass with with credits and and your uh, earned legacy levels. So that was that was a lot. There was a whole lot that we threw at you rather quickly. Uh, unfortunately, you know that's that's really, you know, all the time that that we can spend on this right now because this is a whole show in and of itself, and we want to we want to dedicate that. Lou, you you got anything on this? I mean, well, I would say if everyone's interested, I hope you are. I know yeah. I am. Definitely head over to the Sotor site, go to the forums, or look up the developers blog itself. And as Barwin just stated, there is quite a lot there. I mean, we just basically we just grazed the tip. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. Take a look at it, mull it over, and join us next week for the 8.5 uh, episode. And we are going to go into more depth and more detail with all these unlocks that are going to become available to us once 1.2 is released. Yeah, this is going to be the feature for the for the 0.5 show for sure, without a doubt. We're gonna we're gonna go into this so. All right. Lou, why don't you take us in a little bit? Tell us what we got. What's our first headline here? Well, first thing that came up, uh, this past Tuesday, the 27th of March, obviously every Tuesday, Bio does maintenance, downtime, what have you. However, this past Tuesday, didn't see any notes. And actually, (laughs) what was strange was that Bioware said, yeah, we're doing maintenance, we're having, uh, doing stuff, but it was mostly behind the scenes. And during that time frame, players across all the servers, whether you're European, North American, on the Asian servers, you were still allowed to play. 
So I guess it was all just back-end stuff that wouldn't interfere with the players actually being on at the same time. I don't mind that. Little, a little maintenance time without any downtime from the game. It's, that's good stuff. Yeah, and it's good. So as of yet, I still haven't seen anything on there mm-hmm. as to what they actually did. So I'll keep looking out for that. Right. All right. And then the next one we've got. Yeah, what's this? Patch, uh, patch, uh, patch notes, uh, 115D, patch notes from March 23rd? Yeah. And this one was actually just a small one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for general stuff, they just implemented more changes to improve overall serviceability, which is key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big one. Yeah. Yep. So as to what they did, we don't know. But they have done some more stuff, more back-end stuff to improve serviceability. Good. And the next big thing they included was just for PvP, which was the Void Star. And now players will no longer be able to exit the starting area earlier than usual. So if you were able to get a jump on that zone, well, nope, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They they fixed that. Not anymore. Everyone gets to leave their area at the same time. No one gets that two, three, four-second head start. So, you know, that's always a good thing because that that could mean the difference for some of these fights, you know. Especially a Void Star game where the whole point of the game is to lay a bomb. Exactly. So... If someone gets a head start there, then, you know, that's really not going very well, is it? So <laughs> that beats the purpose of the whole game. Exactly. Pretty much. All right. And uh, for those of you who, who were involved, all right, we had a, um, our second week of the weekend pass-free trial. Uh, that was from Thursday, March 22nd to Monday, March 26th. Apparently, uh, week one was so successful, they, they did it again for the following week, and they, uh, they did it for four days. So Bioware treat us to their second free trial weekend, and players are given the opportunity to download the game, create a trial account, and play for free. It is an excellent idea for them to get that free trial out as soon as possible. I know a lot of people didn't play Rift because for the longest time it didn't have a trial. And Rift was amazing. They just didn't get the trial out nearly fast enough for people to actually want to play it. Right. And I know tons of people who refuse to ever touch an MMO unless they can go through the trial first. Exactly, because then why would you want to waste, you know, that initial 60 bucks, you know, yeah, you're going to get a monthly days. subscription on something that may be horrible. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think this is a very good move and I think every MMO that is going to be released from this point forward, you know, if they haven't adopted a model where they have a free trial or a friends invite, uh, would be asking for Let's say we just be gimping themselves. You know, why deny yourself that marketing approach? Precisely. You know, because, you know, the weekend free pass, the first one, population growth was insane. You know, especially in the starter world and the capital worlds where you had a lot of new players, a lot of fresh blood out there, you know, asking the great new questions. Like, hey, what do I do? How am I supposed to work with this and so forth? And it's a wonderful thing to see other players saying, hey, well, you know what? This is what you got to do. Or this is how this works. Doing that, I believe, fosters a great sense of community. And if new players see that, have veteran players out there or regular players, and they're willing to help you, they're seeing that the MMO community in this game is amicable, very least, willing to answer your questions, willing to help you out. You know that that does a great thing. It hooks people. Okay, it brings them in because you can have a free trial, but then if you have players who are, quite honestly, you know, d bags. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then, you know what? They used the free trial. They found out, you know what? For, this, for these servers or for this game, the players that I've seen or I've experienced are all morons. Or they're just so unfriendly, so uh, distasteful to my personality. 
screw this game. I'm never going to play it. Well, so here's, I, I hope Bioware does this more often, you know? I, I hope they do too because to be honest, all right, one thing we've been very vocally critical about on this show has been, if nothing else, the server population. And I, I got to say, after after these two weekends, I've noticed the server populations have gone up a little bit. Right. It and hasn't it, been, you know, tremendous, but like, you know, if you play the Republic side, you know, you're you're walking around and you're hearing crickets. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a little less quiet, you know? I've actually gotten a couple of flashpoints in yesterday which uh which was great, you know, um Maximus was in the chat room right now is one of our our guildies. Uh we we jumped into a couple of plus 2s, a couple of plus 4s and uh we had an awesome time. And uh, it all it basically stemmed from this uh, one guy spamming in in general chat. You know, he was looking for he was looking for it wasn't a flashpoint, but he was he was looking for uh, some plus fours on Balmora. Right. And I was I was just about to leave the planet, and I was like, you know what? Let me let me hang out because I got a couple of these left over, and you know they were looking for an extra one, so I grabbed I grabbed Maximus, and uh, man, it was just a great time. We just you know we continued to hang out and got a couple more of those slammed out of the way, and. I've been seeing that a lot lately. A lot more people have been, you know, going into the general chat, and I kind of use that as my my gauge to see, you know, how how uh, how the server is doing, and it's you know not at all scientific. <laughs> well, like I said, like we've been saying, with, with the freaking weekend free pass trials, this is a great winning move for Bioware. I, I personally, I think they should hold one every week, or not every week, but at least maybe once a month, or hell, you know, what, twice a month. It's great. You know, it gets more people involved, gets more exposure, and um, I would even ask that maybe allow them to do the next flashpoint, which I believe is Hammer Station. Well, for the Empire, it's Hammer Station. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, for, for our listeners, you know, I, I mostly play, I'm not going to lie, 99 percent of the time I'm playing in the Empire, okay, in the Empire tunes. Well, that's fine. That's, that's why, yeah, that's why we got you here. You know, you're, you're Empire, I'm, I'm Republic, and, you know, we balance the show out together. Yvonne and I have a real-life friend, Dave. And Dave has played the Empire side. Yeah. Okay, he loves the Bounty Hunter class. Okay, and um, he likes the game. He loved Black Talon. I mean, he loved it. He liked how it played out. He liked what was involved, the interaction of the group, how everyone worked together. And you know what? He's hungry for more. And to find out, it's like, well, you know, you're out of the level to get to the next flashpoint, but you, you're not allowed to run it. You know, the system's telling me he can't do it. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so it'd be... that was a big turnoff. He was like, ah, so close, he's so far away. <laughs> it'd be good to you know, open that up for, you know, for other people as well during these, these free trials. Exactly. You know, yeah. getting even more of a carrot on the stick to entice him, hey, you know what, yeah, you tried the very first flashpoint as a, as a level 9, level 10, and now this is the second one. When you're in your high teens, come on, what more do you want? This is, this is the promise that the game is giving you, now, Dave. Um, just to mm -hmm. just to kind of you know go off on a on a bit of a a bit of a, a tangent here with this, <clears throat> as if we haven't already. But <laughs> I gotta I gotta hear this. You know, you're kind of like, you know, you've 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 gone through all the flashpoints. You know, you've you've experienced the game much further than than Lou and I have been because you were you were in you were in raiding. The flashpoints in this game versus any other MMO. All right, and and I want. I'm looking for your honest opinion here, okay? How do you how do you think they are versus other MMOs? Do you think do you think they're better? Do you think they're they're worse? What 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 is your opinion on on flashpoints versus other other instances well, in MMOs? They're you know just like any other one group dungeon, uh, they needed to be balanced in the beginning, and a lot of them ended up 
being balanced. And a lot of the fights are just amazing. Some of them are still glitchy, of course, because this is really early in the game. But there are a few dungeons that are just pure fan service. Um, if you're on Empire side, you've done Foundry. Oh, I, I'm yes. coming I off of that. SWOTOR, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Oh, man, that was... Yeah, I squealed like a little girl the first time <laughs> I, I fought Revan, I swear. Yep, little girl with your pigtails. <laughs> oh, man. I was... Working for the first time in oh. <laughs> <laughs> 47. That was just pure fan service. It was excellent. I was geeking out more than usual. But, but really, they are excellent dungeons. They actually... Some of them are balanced just enough to where if you don't have the proper team or if your guys don't know what they're doing, you're not getting through. But that really helps you learn your class. And there are a few dungeons that are worth striving for along the way. I, I agree. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think this is, you know, one of the one of the best features of this game is that the the flashpoints are absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, I, I never, I get so excited when it's, you know, let's say, it's say let's just say it's, you know, it's, it's me and, uh, you know, you know, Maximus and, um, we get, we scoop up, you know, one other guy and we're kind of like, gee, we don't have a healer. What do we do? And, oh, no problem. You know, let me, let me take out my healing companion and, oh, is it going to work? And I don't know, it's a healing companion. And, and then we start up the flashpoint and guess what? We get through it in time because, the healing companion is really decent. You know, he's really good. And, you know, I'm tanking and, and doing my thing. And by the way, level level 30 plus Jedi Guardian tanking, the most exciting tank I have ever played, hands down. I am literally jumping into the fight, okay? Grabbing up the aggro from, from using various different moves, okay? And then I've got this guy, this ranged guy, all the way across the room you know, and he's he's shooting he's shooting my companion, or he's shooting at Maximus, or you know, I don't like that. So I whip my lightsaber, snap him in the face with it, grab my lightsaber back, and and here I am again. You know, I've got the aggro from that guy. Now I got to watch him. I'll drop the aggro after a while, but great stuff. It's so exciting. And the the last time I had this much fun playing a tank was in World of Warcraft before they they ruined that the uh, the paladin class. All right, we're getting we're getting a little long with this, okay? Uh, and I said, you know, we would get off on a tangent, and and uh, you know, hopefully the listeners don't mind too much. But um, we've we've got a couple of the for the news bit. All right, let's let's end it off with uh, the community Q and A. Uh, there was a couple of things here that that uh, Lou Lou saw when writing the show, and uh, he wants to highlight for us. So let's let's get into this. This is uh, the community. Couple of questions off the community Q and A that came off. What was that uh, March twenty third, Lou? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, this past Friday. Cool. All right. So, what do you got? What's what's the first question here? Okay. Uh, for those of you who who may not know, all right. Uh, past few weeks, what Bioware has done on the forums is that they've introduced the weekly Q and A. Okay. So now it's going to be answered directly by the devs, the programmers, what have you from Bioware. Right, and I, right. I love this specifically because when they say something stupid, now I know who to make fun of. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that by Thursday afternoon, uh, I forget one time, maybe maybe four, maybe five p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay, is the cutoff time to submit your questions, and after that, 
the questions, you know, the, the devs will go through the questions and then pick usually around 10 that they'll answer. All right. And then by late afternoon on Friday, again, maybe around maybe 4 or 5 p.m. Central Time, they'll release their answers. So if you want, submit a question. You never know. They might get answered directly from Schubert, <laughs> from Wallace, what have you. Take a chance. I wanted to bring up just two right off the top of my head that I wanted to, uh, people to be aware of. Uh, the question was, are there any plans to make the lower level plan accommodations buy into account? It would be nice to send them off to another character. Right. Now, we, we kind of we kind of covered this, I think, in the Point Five show or the show before that, 7. But this this was answered differently enough for for us to to uh to feature it on on this show again so it's not exactly a revisit we're just adding a little more detail for you right okay and the answer here this is from damien schubert all right Mm -hmm. and for those who may not know he is a principal lead system designer for the game and be aware too i i paraphrased uh just to get enough of the context of uh, of their answer if you want to see more information more details of information uh, because some of these answers can quite frankly get pretty long. Go to the forums for Tor itself, and you'll see it. Uh, it's a weekly Q&A in the forums section, and it brings you right to each one. Okay? Right. And for that answer, Damien Schubert says this. All right, it's something that they've considered. However, uh, they want to see the state of the game in terms of leveling speed and itemization power after the core legacy system goes live with game update 1.2 before they potentially make that change. Right. So in other words, we're not going to be seeing the low-level planetary commendations bound to account until after they hash out Legacy and get it rolling properly. Right. Right. So sometime in April, because as now, 1.2 is slotted for release in April. So once they see what the player base does uh, with their characters, low-level characters or, or new alts, and depending on what the player community does, they may decide to change that and say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, um, you've got a little 50 character and you've got, you know, 60 or 70 planetary combinations about more that you'll never ever use again. But you've got a level, you know, 15 character who may start using them soon or may hit that planet for questioning. You know, you know what? Here's a head start for you. There you go. You can use them. Because, again, as a nice little trick as well is the fact that, remember, with commendations, you can buy gear, equipment, mods, not only for you. But for your companions as well. All right. Remember, whatever you can use, they can use. So that's also key to outfitting your companions is using whatever combinations you've got. If you're already fitted out with what the plan has to offer, hey, you know what? Start outfitting your tank companion, your DPS companion, your medic companion. Buy them gear as well. Buy them modifications. Make them more effective. You know, this is something that I'd like them to implement so that, again, characters get more of a, a, a step up or a boost in terms of the character power. No, of course. Dave, um... Do you want to uh, you want to pick up the next question first, please? Uh, next question is: Can you please explain some of the reasoning behind the healing nerfs? It almost seems like every healer is up in arms, regardless of their class. Mm. Well, that's yeah, that's very pretty true. Much every time there's ever a nerf ever. Uh, this is coming from George Zoller, who, if you don't know, is the lead combat designer. This is what he says about the healing nerfs. Sometimes it's hard to hear this, but the change to healers you're referring to was, quite simply, a result from them being too good. When one healer is close to a target performance and others aren't, it's natural to think that the logical course is to buff the underperformer and leave the overperformers alone. All specs 
for all roles have a target performance. This is what drives the balance of the game, soloing, heroics, PvP, Flashpoint, operations, everything. When those targets aren't hit, we can't just bring everyone up to the highest performer without negatively impacting the balance of the game and creating unsustainable inflation in our combat system. After, considering t after considerable testing, we're more confident than ever that all healing roles are both closer to target performance and closer to one another than ever before, leading to a much higher balance on in-game content. All right, so let me let me say this, okay? Um, regarding regarding how combat is is strewn together in in the uh, you know the, the many different mathematical algorithms that they use in order to put these games together, okay? I have no idea of. There are some of you out there are brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and you're you're piecing this together, and you're finding flaws or you're finding you know genius. This enough to me was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, I get that, all right? But <laughs> this is coming from ignorance because I don't know, like, how these things are put together, and nor do I even play a healing class. So, you know, I read this and I said to myself, you know, okay, like, I can, I can kind of get, you know, where Bioware is coming from, and I don't really understand, you know, the, the healing debacle. So, Lou, I want to get your reaction to this because you certainly do have a reaction. Well, for starters, my original, my first main for the Empire side was an Imperial agent who became an operative. And my primary purpose with this operative was to become a medic, a full healer. All right, I wasn't going down with lethality or concealment. No, I wasn't into playing that style. Right. My operative was going to be a pure healer because I wanted to try that aspect out of the game for so long. That's what I leveled my character as. Okay. One of the big things between the operative as a healer and, say, maybe the mercenary, bounty hunter mercenary, who can heal... And obviously the Sith Sorcerer who can heal. All right, There is usually a big disparity between how uh, these classes have been healing in the past since the game has gone live. Okay. Now you say disparity. What, what exactly are you referring to? Is like one class better than the others or well, you know, they're all underpowered? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, for a lot of operatives, they feel that they maybe are a bit underpowered and they don't bring as much utility. They don't bring much to the table to offer a... A flashpoint group or an operations group. Okay, so it's it's the operative that that people feel are are lagging back when it when it comes to healing potency. Right. Well, that's part of it because there are other issues as well with the mercenary because I believe they're also nerfing the mercenary and the sorcerer as well coming uh, with one point two. Right. The sorcerer class is a great class, brings a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. They have a lot of utility. They have a lot of abilities to help them do things in combat. Okay, and heal at the same time. They're spec that way. Right. All right, one of the main problems is that... They're too good. Yes. Let's put it this way. Why would you bring an operative who may be very good? It's just a question of, you know what? It's more efficient. It's faster, easier, so to speak, to bring a sorcerer or a, a bounty hunter mercenary healer to your run. Because so they've, they've, they have the ability. They've got the oh crap type heals. They've got the... I can do sustain heal. Yeah, the one button emergencies can, and well, something akin yeah. to that. They can regenerate force or energy faster, much faster or better than an operative can. All right, now now Dave, let me cut to Dave real quick. You've got you've got the operating or rating experience, okay? Regarding regarding healers, okay? You you've been in operations with them. 
you've been putting these raids together. What I mean is is Lou on target with this, or is this a Lou thing? And and you know he's 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 out of his mind, or not not that Lou is ever out of well, his mind, but you know where is this? Is this accurate? There's a few things going on here. Um, well, first off, Lou is out of his mind. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Lou. I love you, man. Um, no, Lou is on point where he's saying that certain classes are already obviously better than others, and yet. Yes, in an ideal world, you're going to need to pick and choose who you're going to bring. If in the perfect situation, I'm probably not going to have an operative after he has all those nerfs. Where before, they were just, you know, crazy good. What's going on, though, that you got to figure out is there's a certain point when it comes to these nerfs that, yes, they may be at their maximum heals. They may be where the designers have designed the class to max out as at a certain number when played properly. The problem being is you got to figure out where that minimum number is before you start cutting into the ability to play your class while dealing with raid mechanics. Right. Which and it, is see, kind Bioware, of the problem that we have going on with certain marauders. Well, Bioware thinks they they've hit that number. Um, they they're, they're saying like, you know, okay, we, we feel like this is perfectly balanced. Well, I can tell you from rating eight mans, it's not perfectly balanced. All right. Now, is this a case of them nerfing, you know, a healing class that's already underpowered as compared to, you know, the, the sorceress who is already so overpowered, especially in regard to healing the guys who are, you know, on, on the bottom are always are getting forced down a little further. Or is this a I case? Would say it's not a question of being overpowered. Mm-hmm. It's a question of efficiency and poss- you know, quite possibly utility. The sorcerer is good, right? But they're so much better at doing their job, and it's easier to do anything with the sorcerer, or you know, even the mercenary, than you are with bringing an operative. You know what Zoller and his Zoller has always said in the past. He and his internal test team, and I shuddered when he said that. Um, <laughs> you know, they've admitted. Yeah, they said they've cleared the content, and the big thing is that people have been saying in the forums that yes, we're not saying we can't clear the content. That's not the issue. The issue is the capabilities of the class, of the classes. Okay? Again, to my original point, it's easier to bring the bounty hunter mercenary and the sorcerer healers than it is to bring an operative because you know they won't have issues with managing their force or energy pools to be able to do those heals. Okay? To keep people alive. For those oh crap moments if something goes horribly wrong during a Hard mode, a nightmare mode, flashpoint, or an eight or sixteen man operation. All right, we could, you know, we could get crazy with this, um, but let's let's leave it at this, okay? There's there seems to be a dis, you know a disparity between what they're seeing and and what what you know natural gamers are are seeing, and that's I, I suppose where the uh, you know the outrage is, if you could call it, if it, if you can call it outrage, <laughs> that's that's where it's coming from. The criticism is coming from that. So all right, let's let's do this. Uh, Listeners, send us an email. All right, if if you see this, or if you feel differently, or if you feel the same way, you know, send us an email. Let us know what you think, because I'd I'd love to, you know, kind of get a handle on this. If not for myself, you know, just to kind of, you know, push it out there and and get a a good little, you know, a a good cross section of of who's out there and and what they feel about this. And all right, uh, let's move on to the Dark Council, and uh, we're going to tackle a semi-controversial subject here in the Dark Council today. So I hope you guys enjoy that. 
Welcome back to the Dark Council. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this is uh, what I like to call the scariest part of the show because we are we are currently surrounded by all types of Sith lords and Sith BAs staring at us, growling, and we got Palpatine across the way over here, and he's, he's not at all happy with my light sideness. Anyway, um, that was dumb, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but I said that like a you know a couple episodes ago, and I, I said it again. It's just as stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, what what is the what is the question that you are asking of the Dark Council? Present us with your question. <laughs> All right, this week for the Dark Council, a little roundtable discussion. I don't know. Here is what we're going to debate: Should Bioware merge servers? We are bringing this up for discussion because, again, if you are playing the game and if you have a chance or opportunity to visit the forums, you will see one of the threads that keeps popping up, especially within general discussion, is uh, will pertain to server merges. You know, asking for server merges. You know, polling: Would you support a server merge? <laughs> you know, character transfer, what have you? All right. Well, Lou, to to answer your question, like you know, really directly. I know it's a, I know it's a PR nightmare for for them to you know merge servers, all right. But honestly, like you know we're on Juyo and apparently Juyo is out of all the servers you know ranked number ten according to one particular study done over the internet, ten most populated. And <laughs> you know I got to be honest, you know running around on Juyo, especially on the Republic side, it's it's been you know you've heard it here before. You know we it's like hearing crickets out there. It's it's not. It's not very populated, and you know during during peak times, I'm seeing on Balmora. I've been on Balmora for you know a couple of weeks now, and I'm just about to to finish up over there. There's you know 17 people on on the uh, on Balmora, and in the fleet, I've seen maybe 42, 47. It's been getting it's been getting you know increasing since since uh, certainly last weekend with the the uh, free trial population has been going up uh especially in the fleet but you know the, normally i've seen about 42 47 you know people in the fleet and about 17 at peak times on balmora during the day at noon i would say it's you know i've seen 7 10 11 people on balmora on juyo and if that's you know the 10th you know most populated server out of out of the entire out of all the servers like you know i i could say you could probably uh, double that to get to you know the most populated, which is what what that that internet study that I'm referring to um, was was showing. Well, the, the big thing that w with this particular question is that people have to really focus on keeping their studies and their numbers in context. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the big thing, one of the main things I would do for doing this. Um, and oh, by the way, for the listeners, all right, this wasn't conducted by Bioware. Only Bioware knows exactly how many people are on each server, okay? Yeah. So every every forum post you see on the Tor forums or anything you'll see on the gaming websites is just pure speculation done by people who've done their own independent research 
But again, take it with a grain of salt, okay? The only people who know exactly what's going on behind the scenes with the server population is BioWare themselves, and they are not releasing that information. No. All right, one of the biggest things that people have to realize, too, is when you're going to start doing or refer to these server numbers, okay, realize what server you're on, the three types, whether it's PvE, PvP, RP, and then the next big thing, people have to take into account, all right, where is it based? Is this an East Coast server? Is this a West Coast server? Is it a European server? Take that into account. Take the time zones into account and realize when you're looking at populations, yeah, it may seem like a, a small thing, but what time are you on? All right, especially I'll refer to the PVE East Coast servers, okay? Mm-hmm. Like for ours, Julio is an East Coast PVE server. Right. All right, it's now 12, 11 in the afternoon. For those of us in the East Coast of, of America, we are normally at work or at school, or if you're self-employed, you're working. Right, yeah, and and that's why, you know, you see the population go up, you know, no matter what server you're on after, you know, like 5 o'clock your time um, when everyone basically is starting to get home from, from all their various things. Um, but the yeah. fact is, is that playing other MMOs, you know, I've always seen the population much higher than that, and and I know everyone else has, has seen that too. So going from that, Dave, what do you think the fallout would be if let's just say for sake of example okay um a month from now bioware says you know let's start merging servers do you think the hit from that at this point would be game breaking for bioware and do you think there would be like a a really large recovery time well first off we haven't seen what's called a server merge in any real mmo that you know people actually pay to play Mm-hmm. since I think, what, the first year WoW was out, where they actually merged servers, this is not a real thing anymore. There's no such thing as server merging anymore. Really? And I really wish that people stop calling it that. It okay. doesn't exist. No real MMO will ever do that again. It is the biggest, stupidest idea any MMO could possibly have, was to say, everybody on this server... All your character, all your items, all your stuff is being transferred over to this server. And if someone's already on that server with your existing name, you're going to have to change it. Okay, so what exactly... That's the stupidest idea. They're never going to do that. All right, so what exactly is this this, I, this thing that we're calling server merges? Why don't we, why don't we get a little, a little education out of our way here on this? And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about exactly what, what that is? The latest thing that's been happening, I'm going to take Rift, for example. Okay, great example. Um, Rift has had a few servers which are substantially lower than other servers to where there may be only three guilds on the entire server, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Lou and I experienced that with Alsbeth <laughs> server. on. Uh... Yeah, there were a few servers <laughs> where there were, uh, when you're on that side, you're in that that guild we were that's just how it happens the uh the old knights on osbeth was you know one of i think either two or three yeah guilds when it gets that low <laughs> rating it something has to happen yeah uh what they've done uh with rift is they have changed that server yet they've given people the chance uh rift allows you to move your character once a week from any server to any other server for free mm-hmm which is a great idea for MMOs across the board. Cough, wow. Um, <laughs> we re- I would really love to see you being able to move your character to any other server for free. So what they did is they said, hey, 
we're going to be changing the server from a live server to a test server. So what they've done is anyone who wants to test out the game to give that that free time to test out the game, play around and you know get to actually experience the game before purchasing it, mm-hmm. you're now going onto those servers that they've changed from live servers to test servers, which is an excellent way to keep out botters, to keep out gold farmers from the the actual population while allowing people to have the full reign of uh, the world of the game, which is an excellent idea. It actually is a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah. People get to keep their names. They get to stay with their guilds. They get to, then you also get the people who get to try out the full game for free and you don't have to worry about people botting and gold farming. All right. Now, not to get too deep into, into rift, but the the thing is, is that right about that time, I'd say about a month later, I actually quit the game. My, I mean, the the guild was falling apart. Our our ability to to raid was utterly disabled, and I was totally jaded at that point with the game. So I I walked away. I never actually did get the the uh, the feeling and the fallout from what the the long standing consequences of of this merge really was for that game. Um, so let me let me let me bring this back to Star Wars, okay? Since you since you know what that hap- how that happened in in Rift, what my question to you, Dave, is this: Should this happen in Star Wars? And would uh, considering what happened with with Rift and how they did it, uh, what do you think the outlook for this would be if they did this in Star Wars? There's nothing wrong. I think there would be nothing wrong with allowing free transfers off of the low pop population servers even if you're saying only the low population servers can transfer off mm-hmm. to the higher ones and changing those servers to say test servers or removing them completely there's nothing wrong with bringing people closer together but at the same time it would damage some people's play styles to say anyone any server that isn't a large server needs to be closed because there are some people who, I know some people will complain, oh, I go to Balmora, I only see 14 people. Well, I personally, when I'm running through questing, a good day is when I don't see anybody. I like solo questing. That's how I like to do it. Right. The, so, the problem that this really comes into play is when you know, you're trying to get a flashpoint done and no one's answering right. your call because there's, there's no one out there. Or, you know, God forbid you want to get a, a, a raid together uh, or get people into your guild so you can start raiding. There's just not enough people out there. They're already gilded up and there's nobody left around on your server to to join your guild, you know, who, who would be able to, to raid. And, you know, Lou and I know firsthand um, that, you know, that destroyed that destroyed our guild, to be honest. Even when they merged servers, I mean, it was just, it still destroyed our guild. Uh, we just couldn't get anybody around to, to, to join up. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened. We were, we were still disabled from raiding. So even, even in that particular case, like a, a server merge didn't really help tremendously. All right, Lou, what, what do you think? Do you think, you think this should happen? Do you, do you think this is going to, do you think this should happen? And if they did, do you think it would help? Well, I think if it is an issue where there are a, or there is a, a low population amongst 
uh, a bunch of servers across mm-hmm. the board, whether it's in the American servers, European, Oceanic. Uh, I think Bioware needs to just realize and face the music if it is happening. Okay? Mm-hmm. And will it be a PR nightmare? Yes, of course it will be a PR nightmare. A lot of people before the game went live, or especially with early access on the 13th of December, everyone was talking about server queues, okay? The server login queues. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> and that was one of the predominant arguments as to, oh my God, I don't want to sit there for half an hour, or I don't want to sit there for 15, 20 minutes trying to log on to the server, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And personally, all right, again, my own opinion, okay, Bioware became so focused. On reducing server queue time, they added right? so many servers. They that... added so many servers. All right, which tells me yes, they had the hardware, so they had the capacity. They had the hardware present. What they should have done is bumped up the capacity for the servers they had created already, and then from there, if need be, slowly open up brand new spanking servers, because now we've got so many of them out there. Out there. Okay, and we're now approaching the fourth month of existence for Star Wars The Old Republic. People have either gone on in terms of, all right, the game just isn't for them, so they've left. Right. Two, they've done everything that they feel they need to do or want to do within the game, and they've left. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for whatever reason, people are or maybe just feeling blah with the game, so it's a doldrum for them, so they're not logging on as often. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that, that's the big thing. I believe Bioware has done has created so many servers. All right, instead of bumping up what they had in the first place and, and then readjusting from that point forward is that they've created too big of a pool. All right, and now there are too many the fish don't know where to swim. Right. Okay. So, all and right, that, so and that also and, and that will also indirectly indirectly contribute to the population imbalance in terms of faction imbalance. You you ally yourself with this idea that yeah, they should they should at least do something to close out some servers. Let's let's let those low population servers go by the wayside and and bring some of those guys into the into the medium population servers. Right, medium and high population servers. You know right. what? Again, it's going to be a pure nightmare. But I would much rather have Bioware man up and mm-hmm. say, "All right, we made a mistake in our initial projections with the game with release. Yeah, we may have made too many, and it's unfortunate. We're going to have to shut some down. Do it." Deal with it. You have people who are on there. They have an issue. Okay. Be a professional company. Be professional to realize you made a mistake. Now fix it. Rectify yeah. it. And if I think they do that, that makes for a hell of a lot better PR in the end. Precisely. Say, yeah. yeah. You know what? They 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 know they made a mistake. They admit to it. They're addressing it. And now we can actually go tell uh, tell our friends they made a huge mistake. But guess what? We fixed it. They fixed that it. Exactly. They, they fixed it to the point where I'm yeah. satisfied. And now I'm saying, hey, hey, man, come play the game. Now, Lou is exactly right. Like, what are what are people going to do? Would you rather people not play your game and complain about low population, or complain about how servers are shutting down while they're running a flashpoint? You got two different ideas there. Precisely. Right. You know, I, I would much rather sit on a queue for ten, fifteen minutes, knowing that. Yeah, when you log in, you can get something done at least. Exactly. I, I think that one of the biggest problems with with server queues is that people have such short attention spans to freaking begin with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the I want it now. It's like, oh my god, do you really do you have any patience in real life? <laughs> well, I mean, it is you know for you know for those of us out there that that do have you know the crunch in their schedule, you know, and can only you know you want to just jump in for a half hour and and see what's up with your cruise skills and whatnot. To wait fifteen minutes, you know, to do that when you gotta you know run out and see your grandmother uh, that day is you know I mean that is you know inconvenient. But I mean for 
you right. know, right? It, but it, the bottom line, it's inconvenient. Exactly. But unfortunately, yeah. the game isn't built just for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not. Okay, that's the biggest problem I run into with a lot of other players I experience. It's like, it's not built just for you. If right. it doesn't wow. work for you, unfortunately, ninety nine point nine percent of the population can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if it, you know, laid it down. He did. You yeah, know what? If that, 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 that's my gaming philosophy. If it, it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's convenient for me, I'll have to suck it up and deal with it. Okay, I maybe I won't play as long, or I can't play at all. That sucks. I'll be mad, but you know what? The game's there tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> It'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> laid it down. Jeez. There you go. That's that's the uh, that's the name of this uh, this episode. Lou lays it down. <laughs> Yeah, that was harsh. That w- it was. That was awesome. Um, I mean, he's he's right. Let's be honest. He's he's yeah. right. There are you know. Let's the, the internet is not known for its its niceness. All right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I completely agree. You know, right. we have all these low population servers, but people are still on them, or else they'd right. be no population servers. Yeah. If they didn't want to be there, they'd re-roll. Um, all right, I, I kind of see the answer to this as, as being semi-tiered. Okay, um, I think I think I think Bioware just to avoid the PR nightmare. All right, maybe they have a solution within a solution. Um, and here here's what I see. Okay, t- f- tier one they should allow cross-server grouping. Okay, maybe Definitely. not maybe not with maybe not with rating. Okay, maybe maybe no. keep that out for a minute. Okay, cross-server flashpoints, cross-server PvP, and I believe they are actually doing that. Right. Um, cross-server grouping. You've got plus two, plus four quests in this game. I'll make that cross-server. Make questing cross-server. That'd be kind of cool to like instance an area just as you're walking through it. That'd yeah, be that'd be you know that'd be kind of cool. Maybe they maybe they can do something like that where you know you uh, you're you're looking for looking for a quest. The LFG system comes with a a, a questing LFG and plus two, plus fours, flashpoints, PvP. Are included, you know. Hey, guess right. what? I'm looking for for this this thing and, and to, do that cross server. Uh, people who will probably start flaming you for that for you know the no cross server tool, please. Well, they already have, or they could implement something to affect that. Okay. All right. What, what's the biggest reason for people not supporting the cross server tool for anything? Oh, because you uh, get the some jerks. Ninja looting. Okay. Yeah. The ninja looting. All right. Now there are some games out there that have something in place that detracts that. Okay, that stops that from happening. Mm-hmm. You know why? It's simply called, if your class can't use it, you can't roll on it. Okay? You can never get it unless the system determines, oh, there's no one in here that can use it. Now it becomes a free-for-all. Anyone can roll for it. Well, okay. the second you implement that in this game, you're going to have that first person who whines and says, I need to roll against the tank for that tanking piece for my companion. Right, and that's well, when you know we well, that's when we get Lou in there, and he he we tell we get Lou to say to that guy, "This game wasn't built for you, guy. <laughs> Slow your rolls. <laughs> Simply, it's not built for you." But however, <laughs> this is for us. The companions are secondary. Yeah. If you can't, no one wants to use it. Hey, you know what? Even better, we'll give you, we'll make it an even more robust system. If the classes that can use it don't want it and they decline. Guess what? Now your loot window says now you can roll for it. Okay, now if you want to roll for it, it's free for all for your companion or for you if you need money. Great. Now you can. Right. Well, if anyone knows me, um, they know that I'm totally against cross-server anything because of exactly this. But, you know, I'm actually kind of calling for it at this point. I, and I see that as, as tier one to, to fixing that. You know, if that, if that response doesn't work, open it up 
cross-server for rating as well. If that doesn't work, um, oh, no. I, I would say, yeah, and I, God, I would, in a, in a, in a world where, in a world where. <laughs> you know how you make cross-server rating? You let people hop servers. I'm not going to queue up for a, a raid with some random people. That's insane. Mm-hmm. If I can't, you know, actively speak to them in a raid, I ain't going to run with them. I don't care if it's the easiest raid in the world. Walk from point A to point B, receive loot. Ain't going to happen if I can't look you in the eye and, you know, or at least on Mumble and tell you you're an idiot for stepping on a trap. Right. Right. Well, maybe that's maybe that's a, another idea worth exploring, you know, uh, server hopping. You could take your character, go to another server, uh, you know, and and based on certain criteria. I mean, just as a, a fledgling of an idea, and then go back, you know, you know, or stay. Well, know. no, no, more more lines. We what we did before, what we just suggested before. Mm-hmm. You know, what what Rift does, what Tryon allows players in Rift to do, the free server transfer. Okay, allow players who think they're in a low population server. Allow them to give them the freedom to move to a different server and try it out for a while. Make that their new home. If they don't like it, fine. And in another two weeks, when the next one comes around, all right, they can hop to another home. Give the players the freedom to explore and quite possibly find that new guild or that new group of friends on a decently populated server and allow them to enjoy the game right? Okay, to the fullest extent. Um, I think it's hurting them in the long run by not... Uh, at the very least, allowing for for character transfers. Yeah. Okay, yes. Put yeah. put the restrictions in place to stop the the guild hopping or the server hopping. And I, yeah, and I would say that would be like the next the next phase to solving this. You know, if if the if the the cross realm grouping doesn't necessarily solve this problem that Bioware sees it being solved, the next thing I would suggest is allow for the population to fix itself. You know, open up cross cross server transfers based on you know where where the population wants to go and then if that doesn't really fix it and you see you know way too much grouping on one side or the other then i would say do that exact same thing but control it you know have it completely controlled announce that you're closing out certain servers well and not even at that point just say like look all right we're gonna we're not we're not having this be so open anymore these hot population servers are now closed to transfers. Can't do it anymore. Sorry, guys. However, uh, you can merge onto. You can go to these populate these servers, these medium populated servers. If you're low populated, if you're on, if you're coming from a low population server, and you want to go to another one, you can go to these predetermined medium population servers. And if then if that doesn't work, if all of that doesn't work, then then you go through the PR debacle and say, look, we're closing servers, guys. Okay, if you're on these servers, okay, we're we're gonna leave that to you know, like Dave said, free transfer or or you know, free to play, whatever. Um, we're taking you and we're gonna put you here, or we're gonna give you a window of opportunity to move yourself, and then once you don't move, then we're either going to you know, we're, we're going to just take you and, and, and move you. That, that I think if, if all of those steps don't work, then you just got to take people and just drop them, drop them into other other servers. I'll probably have just one more idea just to bring maybe something that Bioware could toss around. They've done it in the past, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, for people who have you know, followed Bioware for a while, remember, Bioware or EA acquired Mythic Entertainment. All right? right. And Mythic Entertainment... They're the creators of Dark Age of Camelot. Right, and they handled this problem. 
Right, and they've handled this problem in the past. Now, one of the solutions they came up with is this. Yeah, it's a niche game, but guess what? It's still in existence. It still has a healthy enough population to where the game still runs. The company allows the game to exist and patch and update right, so and they, do stuff for it. They, they solved this problem and enough, you know, enough so to, to make the game work even till today, despite its, its you know, niche feeling. Right. And, and what, was right. That, what was that solution? Well, what they've done is this. You know, they have what they call server clusters. It'll be groups of maybe five to six servers that fall under an umbrella name. And then you're free to do your own stuff on your own server. However, if you need to do content, you need to run stuff, you are able to do it because now you have access to five other servers' populations to do it with. Okay, so there's your cross-realm access right there. It's just localized, so to speak. You know that the five other servers you're attached to you're going to get people from these five servers. So when you need to group up and need to run this particular dungeon, need to run this particular raid, open air, open air instance, what have you, you all know you'll you're going to see people from these five servers automatically. I would I would you go with that, that. You have that pool to draw to draw from. Yeah, I like yeah, I like that. The same deal they do with WoW for uh, look for group systems. All right, guys, we're going really long with this. Dave, I'll give you the last word. Closing arguments. Closing arguments is no. I do not believe there should be any forced merge whatsoever. I believe that you should let the people decide where they want to settle. If they want to be on low pop, let them stay on low pop. Shouldn't have opened the server if you didn't want it open. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to head over to the Jedi Archives. Lou's got his, uh, the, the master of lore, Lou, has, uh, <laughs> has got something for us, and, uh, and he's about to present it. So we'll be right back. What does it mean to be a Jedi? To hold all that power? Only history can tell and teach in the Jedi Archives. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jedi Archives. Our lore master, Lou. Our Lou master, lore. Lore master, Lou. Louing lore. Lore, Lou. Lou, 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 Lou. I feel compelled to do that every single time. <laughs> Lou, what do you got? What do you got for us this week, Lou? You got something, and it's it's good, and I want to sink my my nerdy Star Wars teeth into every every ounce of this. Well, it's great. Get ready for a nice treat. Um, this week, I'd like to bring in and introduce Odile Viken, first Grand Moff of the Sith Empire. All right, for those who play for the Imperial side. The space hub, main space fleet hub, is named Viking Space Dock. Um, you may have noticed that there's also information on him on the timeline, the Holonet timeline that's on there, on the website itself. All right, we get that intro, that nice little five, six minute uh, video with uh, Master Nostara. Okay, so I'm just going to give a little bit more here. Hopefully, people will look him up if you really want to know some more details about him. Master Nostara. Now, are you talking about the the Holonet uh, timeline that's on the website? No, no, no. The Holonet timeline. Okay. That's on the website. Before the game went live, remember they had the, the, the timeline shorts released every was now and the then? Ones they were putting out backwards? Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the, yeah, uh, yeah with uh, with voice acted by Lance uh, Henriksen. 
Yes, yeah. she did Master Nostral. Yeah, I heard a bit of that. Um, yeah, it's on uh, the Wikipedia. I was looking up uh, Master Nostral, and I was like, "Ah, this sounds so familiar. Who is this guy?" And I, I, you know, dropped that in my Google for a little while. I saw it was Lance Henriksen. Yep. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, I believe Bioware's also that uh, they're looking to actually uh, finish them, finish them out, you know, flesh them out. Uh, because remember, there are certain gaps out there. They had plotted several of them out there, and uh, I believe. A few of them, you know, most of them are filled, but there are still, at this time, maybe four or five uh, spots that are there that are blank. So they're hoping, a lot of players are hoping that Bioware will take the time and actually finish out the, the Holland timeline that's there. Since it was integral and part of introducing Tor uh, to the, you know, to the rest of the world when it went live, you know? I hope they do, too, because I love that stuff. It would be so cool, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back to my lore <laughs> <horse> segment. <laughs> All right, Odile Viking. Okay, he was a human male who lived in the borders of the Sith Empire during the twilight years of the Golden Age of the Sith. Okay, He was an extremely loyal subject of the Empire. He believed in its ideals, despite the fact that he and others, who, since they weren't Force-sensitive, they would be nothing more than, quote-unquote, second-class citizens. And for those players who are on the Imperial side, realize that, yeah, you see the hierarchy that's there. The Sith are at the top of the pyramid. Then you have the Imperials. That's you, the Imperial citizen. Okay, and then everyone else <laughs> below you. All right, whether it's the slaves or anyone else that's in the Empire. Now he comes to play with the Sith Empire is like during the Great Hyperspace War. All right, Viking is a young child. He was on Korriban, very last battle of the of that war, where he witnessed firsthand the destruction and keep, let's keep this in mind, folks, and the total annihilation of the Sith and the Imperial subjects that were there. Got to see it. As you can tell, that can leave a, a big impression on a young mind. He was one of the few who actually was managed and escaped Korriban and joined whatever remnants of the Sith and whatever remnants of the Imperials themselves and flee Korriban and flee what was left of the Empire back then. Okay, And they fled into the unknown regions. And just as another quick side note, for those who may not know, it was the Great Hyperspace War that introduced where the Republic first meets uh, the Sith Empire. Okay, and it was during that conflict where you see, you know, first see the Sith and, and Jedi fight. Because remember, before this happens, you have the Jedi and the Dark Jedi. Up to this point, you don't see the Sith come into play because the Sith are already on their own. The former Dark Jedi who fled the Republic, who went to Carbon, and now have become the Sith. All right, they've usurped the pure bloods and now are the predominant form of the Sith. Now, after they fled into the unknown regions, they wandered for about 20 years or so until they relocated on Droman Kaz. And there they began to rebuild the Sith society. And it was here that as young man, you know, Viken, as part of the military, he was charged by the Emperor with two things. To bring order amongst the non-force senses of the Empire, okay, meaning Imperials just like him, and also to help develop a military that could one day rival the power and strength of the armies of the Galactic Republic and one day, hopefully, planning ahead to defeat them. Because what's one of the biggest things that the, that the Sith have? As one of the driving forces, you know, the need for vengeance. Yeah. So obviously the Sith fleeing Korriban, fleeing the remnants of their empire, seeing what the, the Republic and the Jedi have done to their empire, what are they going to do? What's the driving factor now? Now that they found a new, a new home, they're going to rebuild, and guess what? They're going to want payback. And here, Viking is a sharp, sharp mind, okay? He's a premier military innovator. He is directly responsible for developing and honing 
the Imperial Army and Navy into the fighting force that it is today. All right? His training regimens enabled him to reorganize, give strength and discipline to the Empire. Okay? And by that, I mean to the, to the Imperial subjects of the Empire, not the Sith themselves. Remember, they're their own, their own facet. Right, yeah, they're their own, their own faction. Here he enables the non-force sensitive, the, the Imperials, to actually have a, a, a source of pride in themselves that they are a, they are a honed and dis- highly disciplined military fighting force. They've got their honor, they've got their discipline, they've got their training, and they're, by God, they're going to use it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, in the game itself, you know, players say, oh my God, the Imperial soldiers there are a joke, blah, 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 or poke soldiers are a joke. No, it... Remember, you're just seeing a small, very small representation of the Imperial military or the Imperial Navy. Okay? And realize, too, it's part of that storyline. Yeah, maybe you are seeing a beat-up squad because they've just been through hell for the past three weeks. And being a real-life soldier myself, yeah, my morale dipped, too. And I may not come across as, you know, high speed or what have you, but give me some time to recover. Yeah, you know, it, it's, you've got to realize that they may look weak or they may look inept because that's part of the story. Right, but that's really not the case. Yeah, not everyone's going to be special forces. Not everyone's going to be a ranger, okay? So let's get, that, let's get this done. But everyone's going to be a highly trained, highly professional soldier. Now, this crowning achievement was a creation or actually laying down a foundation for rebuilding the Imperial Armada, okay? Rebuilding the Imperial Navy. Now, this project alone would take over a millennia to come to fruition. And one of the biggest, I guess, achievements to come out of uh, during this rebuilding process was, hey, What's the first thing everyone sees when you hear that, you know, that dreadful march coming over the speakers? You're going to see a familiar form, correct? You're going to see that wedge-shaped Imperial Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah. So it's not until this reformation takes place, the rebuilding process takes place, that now the Empire comes up with its trademarked shape for its premier capital ships, okay? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, as I alluded to before, the project finally comes to an end. And it's justified when you see the onset of the Great Galactic War, which is what you see in the third CGI trailer for Star Wars The Republic. All right, remember, you see Satili Shan and her master escorting the smuggler character uh, on that space station that's overlooking Korriban. Okay, that's yeah. monitoring, keeping watch on Korriban. That starts the Great Galactic War. That's when the, the Imperial ships kind of you know, drop out of hyperspace right around Korriban. And, and, uh... Right, and that's where you first technically see the Imperial Star Destroyer in its, in its form that it's going to carry for the next several thousand years. Because remember, what do we see in uh, you know, Star Wars? Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, or heck, even at the onset with uh, Attack of the Clones. What do you see? A triangular-shaped ship that mm-hmm. looks, feels like an Imperial Star Destroyer. Yeah, and all that, all this stems from uh, the, uh, the, first, the first Grand Moff here, Odal. What's his name? Odal Viking. Well, his name is Viking, but what, how do you say his first name again? Odal? Odile. Odile Viking. Odile Viking. Right. Sounds like a male enhancement drug. <laughs> Do you take your Odile Vikend? <laughs> I, you know, I kind of just, you know, chalk this whole thing up to, you know, being thousands of years worth of just progression. But I find it, I find it interesting that it's really just one guy who says, you know what, guys, we're doing this. And it just stays that way for thousands of years, even well, yeah. into the movies. His, his inspiration, his hard work, his dedication, yeah. okay, the plans he laid down, uh, for the rest of the empire to build off of, okay, that's what drove them to, you know, following his ideals, following what what they believed. You know, this is what he wanted us to do, and now with this, you know, a millennia plus later, when the empire comes back into republic space to start up again, you know, this, you know, this one man, his vision helps shaped, or well, partly shaped the empire. Okay, at least from the non, you know, non force sensitive side. All right, and it's because of this. 
right? Because the emperor recognized the the innovation, the the, the intelligence, the sheer, I guess, breadth of the man, what he could, what he's done, what he could do. That he created the new title and named him as the first Grand Moff of the Empire. Okay, one of the high, you know, the highest rank that an imperial subject could attain within the uh, the Sith Empire itself. Well, Lou, thank you very much for all of that. That is that is unbelievable. Um, great stuff. All right. Anytime, anytime. Again, you know, <laughs> if people want, they can look him up. He's out there on the Wikipedia, you know, or you know, information also available out there on the tour sites. Look into these names. You know, there's a lot of great stuff, a lot of lore out there. It's available. So. Oh yeah. Could make again, a whole show just on on the lore itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if people want me to cover particular subjects that they're interested in, hey, by all means, shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, let us know what you possibly like to send stuff. you a tweet. Yeah, or send me a tweet, <laughs> and you know, uh, by all means, I'll look into it. All right, uh, listen, Dave, we've uh, we're gonna we've got the iTunes shoutouts. We're gonna start wrapping up the show right now. Um, Dave, why don't you take care of the uh, iTunes shoutouts for us? Yep, all our iTunes. Shoutouts for this week come from America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is uh, Chrysanolite. Second one's Jack the Vampire. And last one comes from Carl M. Okay. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, for giving us the, the five-star review. Uh, definitely helps out the show tremendously. And uh, we, we thank you very, very much for that. Gentlemen, final thoughts. Dave. Oh, I was just trying to picture that first guy who was told that he's now ranked a moth. (laughs) (laughs) You will now be a grand moth. Really? Thanks. (laughs) Could could you imagine? Like, (laughs) LOL what? (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I am the emperor. You'll do as I say. You are now a moth. Damn it. Damn it! <laughs> hate this empire. Why, why couldn't I be Darth Awesome? <laughs> Lou, final thought. Wow, we could have gone all over the place with this episode. We have a lot of we have a lot of great topics, and I think I'm looking forward to actually the point five episode, so we can all further narrow down and, and expand. You know what we were talking about uh, today. It is just so much coming in the future for the game. Um, I hope Bioware. You know, it doesn't uh, go on a stand of, uh, of hubris. They, 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 they know all. They, they know what's best. Yeah, maybe they know what's best, but you know what? Let's take, let's listen to our player base. They've done it in the past. They've done. They've had built a great rapport with their players. I hope that Bioware does. You know, continues its great tradition of, of delivering quality products, especially with Tor. Oh yeah. There's a lot going on, and uh, I really hope they, they, they keep up with it. All right, so guys, how to reach us? You can always you can always find anything about this show uh, at www.starwarsofftherecord.com. That's our website, starwarsofftherecord.com. If you want to email us, you can send an email to starwarsofftherecord at gmail.com. If Twitter's your thing, we have Twitter. If you want to tweet at the show, you can always send one at Star Wars OTR and say hi to the show at Star Wars OTR. If you have something to say to me, Evarwin, you can reach me at Evarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Lou is at GamerGuy11B, G-A-M-E-R-G-U-Y-1-1-B. And Dave is at Dianforce, D-I-E-N-F-O-R-C-E, at Dianforce. Oh, also, you can also uh, reach our forums from our website as well. If you would like 
a shout out for your guild or maybe just for you um you can uh, we have we offer that as well it's a service that we offer you can send us an email and uh, we'll be happy to explain the terms for that or you can utilize the uh the donation box on the uh, the paypal service uh, on our website and just fill out the uh the form with what you want us to say we'll be more than happy to drop in a uh, a thank you and a shout out as well at the beginning of the show as always, Star Wars Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production. Dave, say goodbye, Dave. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Lou. Take care, everyone. Glad you were here. Hope to see you all again next week. Thank you very much for joining us again for Episode 8. May the Force be with you. Take care, and please be safe out there. <laughs>